Hey guys, it's Jennifer. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Uncommon Knowledge. This episode, I'm taking it to the professional side of things. I am in recruiting, talent acquisition, more appropriately. People, I'm in the business of people. I got into this business on complete accident and discovered that I really, really, really love it. And at the risk of sounding too full of myself, I'm good at it. I'm good at figuring things out. But really, what makes me good at it is that I love it. When I'm out and I meet people and they find out that I'm a recruiter, conversations go a couple of different ways. They either tell me about somebody in their life that's looking for a job. They tell me about how they're looking for a job or what they would be looking for, that they're thinking about looking for a job. Or they ask me what it's like being a recruiter. They ask me about resumes and what suggestions I have for people who are looking. Or they ask me about what it's like or they make some comment about, oh man, I I could never do that. Or do you ever get tired of doing insert inane thing that, that they believe recruiting entails? I'm always happy to help. It honestly is something I enjoy. And when I meet people, if they don't ask, I offer. In this world, I really believe karma or that things in general come around. What you put out into the world comes back to you tenfold. So I'm always willing to help, especially when it comes to helping people find a great fit. Part of that means that I've had the conversation many, many a time about the simplest, easiest thing that they can do to help their job search efforts, whether they're in them now or whether they will be in the future. Because gone are the days where people are lifers at a company. At this point in time, people average four to five years with a company and and that's shrinking. And that's okay. People are exploring their options. People are taking their talents to new places. People are looking for different ways to learn or different avenues to excel at or to grow in or to get ahead in life. And all of those things are admirable. So I'm not judging that there's a lack of lifers. I really can't because I myself am am one of those non-lifers. I did 13 years at my first company. And really, truly, I did 18 if you add in the years that I was there as a student. But I did 13 years at my first company and I learned a lot. I did a couple of different jobs, but I, I learned a lot. And since leaving, getting into recruiting, each move I've made has been advancing in my career each time. It, it, it either took me into new industries, which broadened the tool set, the exposure that I have, the areas that I got to recruit in, or it gave me the opportunity to to work on the sales side or see if that was something I wanted to do. It's absolutely not, by the way. And then it brought me to where I am now, which gave me the opportunity to put a lot of my skill sets to use, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. The biggest thing that I see, the one thing that people can do that makes their life easy or that will make their career searching easier is if they have a well-formatted resume. I actually cannot emphasize this enough. If somebody meets me and we talk for hours about recruiting and them and their life and what they're doing, and the only thing they leave with 
is remembering what I talked about and shared with them about a resume, I'll be happy. It will be so time well spent. You know, at the end when I finally decide to retire, if the only thing after years and years of doing this, people say, you know, Jennifer was best known for how to get your resume in order. If I could solve every recruiter's problem by reducing the number of times that any of us had to view some of the ridiculous things that we see on resumes, for one, I'd be a local hero. I, I, amongst the recruiters, I would be famous, but my life would be worth it. Uh, my professional career would be worth it. You know, I joke, but honestly, without question, there are, are aggravations in recruiting. But one of the worst things is having to look at some of the most ill-prepared resumes. Sometimes they're so bad they make me laugh. Sometimes they're so bad I save the clip and think, one of these days I'm going to use this for material. Maybe I'll become a stand-up and do nothing but jokes from people's resumes. Not because their life is a joke, but because there are some things on resumes, you guys, that will just honestly make you get up and, and walk away. There are some days that it is that bad. So if you are thinking about getting your resume ready or you're currently in the job search market, please get a pen and some paper. I'm going to pause for you to do that. Okay, you've got one. And if you haven't, you can just listen to this podcast again and write them all down. The very first thing, if honestly you you stop listening after this one, I'd be good. You'd make most of us as a recruiter happy. Because it is simple, but it is literally the most important thing that I'm about to say. It is the most important part. And you actually have a tool set available to you that most of us didn't have when we began the journeys of writing called spelling checkers and grammar checkers. So you guessed it. The number one thing that I want you to do if you're getting your resume ready, gosh, even if you're not getting your resume ready and you've just got it waiting in the wings, because I do advise that, always keep your resume up to date. But the number one thing you can do is spelling and grammar checks. It is important to check it, to recheck it, to triple check it, quadruple check it, have your neighbor check it, have a friend check it, read it forwards, read it backwards, read it out loud. Check it until you have basically committed it to memory. And if you laughed at the read it backwards part, I want you to realize how very serious I am about this. Our brains are wonderful, wonderful things, and they will put words in that it knows you meant to put in there, but didn't actually put in there. And it will glide right over words that are pronounced the, the way that you want the word to, to be in there. But it's actually not the right spelling of the word. There, there, and there. None of those is incorrect. So this is why I say read it backwards. Because when you read it backwards, you force yourself to think about every word. It's a lot harder on your brain to skip ahead. So seriously, have everybody and their brother check it. If you know a recruiter, ask them to check it. And then take their advice. <laughs> because they do that for a living. Why is this so important? Because it's the first impression a recruiter is getting for you. So you need it to be a great one. Don't let a wrong word choice, a misspelling, a capitalization error, a punctuation error, or a word omission put a smudge on your first impression. 
I sometimes see hundreds of resumes in a day. In the first 30 seconds I'm viewing a resume, I'm scanning for spelling errors, grammatical errors, formatting issues, and overall information present, like their education, their skills, their experience, etc. If a resume makes it past that first cut, I'll spend the next few minutes reading the actual details. Making sure you survive the first cut is a simple one. Check your spelling and your grammar. Now, the second one, I kind of alluded to there in that, in that first little rant. But consistent formatting is my number two pet peeve. Or should I say inconsistent formatting is actually the pet peeve. You'd be a recruiter's dream if you had consistent formatting. This covers everything from your font selections, the locations and format of your dates, titles, and companies. If you use the full spelling of the month and then the year, with a hyphen and then full spelling of the month and then the year as your format for the dates that you work somewhere or in a certain position, make sure that you use that format throughout your resume. Don't have a single instance of an abbreviated like APR 2018 to JUN 2020 and then everything else be APRIL 2008 to JUNE 2012. No, don't do it. Pick one and stick with it. Additionally, if you bold a section title, make sure each section title is bold. If you state your experience with your position first and then the company, make sure you always format your positions this way. If you have one space between two sections, make sure you always have just one space between sections. This goes for justifying your or your margins, bullet points, anything that falls under the formatting category. Be consistent. The third one is also formatting, but it's this. Simple formatting. Keep it simple. And I know that there are probably some of you who are listening that are creative by nature, creative in your profession, and you think, but, but I need to demonstrate my creativity. That is a wonderful thing. Please do it. But keep it simple when it comes to the resume you file or that you post online or that you submit electronically to an opening, that you send in an email, that you send out into the great iSIMS world or whatever applicant tracking system a company is using. First of all, most of your resumes that are going into that big machine are being scanned and digitized or read and pulled the data from by a computer. <laughs> Nobody's seeing that, at least in some of the bigger shops at that first cut. I hate to break the news to you on that one. But because it's going through most often some kind of rendering process, it is not always accurately conveyed over if you do too much fancy formatting. So I cannot tell you how important it is that you get your formatting simple, easy to read, and you will seriously reduce the chance that your information is garbled. I've lost count of how many resumes I've viewed in an applicant tracking system over the years that end up all jumbled. They're garbled up mess, lines on top of each other, boxes where they shouldn't be, all kinds of stuff just missing in general or completely redone on the wrong pages, and it makes it look like 
you have zero idea how to use Microsoft Word. And all of it is because of complicated formatting. So unless you're a UX UI graphic designer, honestly, save the pretty for the resume you bring to the in-person interview. And I actually think that that may need to go for the graphic designers and the UX UI people. List on your resume places that people can go on the internet to go and view samples of your work, but keep your resume simple. Keep it easy to read and less chance that it gets tangled up in the applicant tracking machine. If you really, really, really want to showcase your ability to use Word and graphics and etc., do it on the in-person delivery. Wow them with your presentation and that piece of paper. Some bonus advice here. If you're going to bring a resume to a job interview, do it in a portfolio, some kind of folder, some kind of way to keep that precious, precious sheet of paper from getting wrinkled before you hand it over to the manager. And print it out on decently weighted paper. This doesn't have to be like full-out resume, linen, beautiful, very expensive, but killing several trees kind of paper. It just needs to be nicer than the kind of low-grade stuff that you can see through. Make a small investment. If you're getting an, you know, an on-site or an in-person interview with somebody, make the effort. Print out a nice resume. Put it in a portfolio. Take it with you. The next one. This one, honestly, it might get promoted to my biggest pet peeve, but it is often the one that I think gets the biggest laugh sometimes. And I know that that sounds probably pretty harsh, but if you have to read as many resumes as a recruiter does, at some point, you just have to laugh. Maybe it's because otherwise you'd go insane, but you just have to laugh. Every recruiter is sick and tired of hearing, well, seeing the same things. We all know that you're looking for an opportunity at a company that will utilize your strengths and experience, that will also challenge you to and allow you to grow. Seriously, most objective statements, if written like that previous sentence suggests, are trite and, well, just lame. Recruiters and hiring managers see hundreds, if not thousands, of resumes a week. Remember, you're looking to make the cut, which means you're looking to make the best impression. And that happens with the best use of your resume real estate. Give us four to six sentences that tell us about you. Make us want to read the rest of your resume. Number five, for those of you keeping track, remove the phrase references available upon request. This is something that all recruiters and hiring managers know you will do should it get to that point. Don't waste valuable real estate on your resume stating this obvious fact. Also, don't list your references on your resume unless you have their permission and, this is important, and, and it's the printed resume you're taking into an interview. If you don't want to have two versions of your resume, which actually really isn't a bad thing, and I might discuss that in a future episode, we'll see, Take a separate sheet with your references information to the interview with you. And for the love of everything that is holy, please do not have your references named and contact information on a resume that you upload to Dice, Indeed, Monster, Career Builder, any of those sites ever. 
You have no control over that information. Stop hanging your references out to dry. Protect that information. Which brings me to my last suggestion. And this one I see surprisingly more than I would think in this day and age with the amount of security-minded things that we all have and the ways in which we concern ourselves. There's people who are legitimately concerned over how much Google is listening to them. But they'll still do this one last thing here. This is so prevalent. It's crazy. Number six, ladies and gentlemen, is city-state zip code. That's all we need for your location. Stop putting your house number and street name on your resume. You have no idea who will actually be seeing your resume. You definitely have no control over if this information is posted out to an online job board and, well, anybody from anywhere in the world can view it. You have zero control over who uses those job boards. You have zero control over who pulls out resumes and downloads them and saves them. So keep that information private until absolutely necessary. If a recruiter is asking you for the exact address for where you reside, you should be at the offer or onboarding stage, period. I hope something in this rant was helpful. I hope there's at least one thing you take away. Please let it be grammar. Please let it be spelling. I can live with the other things. Do all of us a favor. Dust off your resume if you haven't seen it in a while. It's always a great idea to keep that up to date. No, it doesn't mean you're looking for a job. And no, it doesn't mean that you're just, you know, secretly, closetly wanting to leave. It's a good idea to keep that information up to date. One, I use it when I go to my review sessions. When I sit down and think about what I've done over the last year, if there was some milestone, there was something big, it's there. And, you know, should I ever decide I need to look for someplace else to work? I don't have to go, oh my God, what did I do four years ago? I got it right there, ready to rock and roll. That's it for this episode. I hope you guys learned at least one thing. As always, I welcome feedback, especially from those of you in the arena with me. So until next episode, be well, and thanks for listening. <laughs>